And if someone comes off to you with an attitude, you say, eat me. Okay, so I guess we are podcasting. Yay. So this is the first episode, yeah. hopefully of many, of a little show we're calling Bangers and Bombs Before You Were Born. Um, the whole conceit of this is, I thought it would be fun to do a podcast with my son, and I had we had a couple ideas, but most of them were ideas that other people had done better. Like, uh, we wanted to do conspiracy theories, and then I listened to Behind the Bastards, and I'm like, somebody's doing that better than we are. So <laughs> we decided to do something different, and we're going to watch and talk about movies that came out before my son was born, which is roughly sometime in the fall of 2006. Yeah. Um, cause I figured it'd be fun to look at it generationally. It's, I think there was kind of a big generational shift around 2006 and he's part of a new generation and I'm part of an older generation. That sucks. You know what? So that's what we're going to do. And after this one, we're going to do random movies. I've got a list. We're going to roll and get random movies. But we're starting off with a good movie first. And then we're going to do a movie that I don't think is going to hold up very well. <laughs> so we we got to be able to set those baselines. Yeah. So I'm Brian. I am Seth's dad. Yeah. My pronouns are he and him. Yes, there'll be a pronoun check every episode. If you don't like it, just don't go ahead and listen anymore because you're going to hear it every time, and I don't care. <laughs> so, Seth, go ahead, introduce yourself. Uh, my name's Seth. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a son, and uh, I go by he him. You are indeed a son. I am a son. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Oh, we'll do something. So. The first movie we started off with was one that we kind of figured would be a really good one. Yeah. We started off with, I have to look at my Excel spreadsheet, 1991. God, that makes me feel insanely old. <laughs> 1991's Terminator 2 with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton and a whole bunch of other good people. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when this movie came out, I remember watching it at home on VHS. Like I said, I am old. (laughs) Um, I remember when this movie came out on VHS and it was, we were all shocked. It's like, oh my God, that's the, the effects for the time were insane. Yeah, I bet. Um, Yeah, it's, it's. You know, we watch stuff like that back then. We're like, oh, this is the pinnacle of movie making. They're never going to get any better. And then we watch, I don't know, what do you think is one of the movies that's had the, the best effects recently that we've seen? Um, maybe like like all the Marvel movies that came out. Uh, yeah, the Marvel movies are uh, good. Jurassic World Dominion was pretty great. See, I've not seen that one. So like. I've- you know, you look at like the first one that came out, and then you look at that, and it looks it looks real. It's real. Yeah, that is that is something that 
there is definitely a realism factor that that we're, we get now that you didn't a long mm-hmm. time ago. Because then they just wanted to make it look cool, but like now everyone's like, oh, it's going to look scary, it's going to look real, it's going to look, you know, bigger, and like there's not really like that much cool to the factors anymore. But like, you know, it's... We're we're me- we're messing up ourselves up. So, well, no, I I think that's something to, to think about because, you know, you get some of these movies like Blue People, Avatar, not that, <laughs> not not the Avatar movie we don't talk about. There's an what? There's another Avatar movie? I don't no, know there's not. About. No, <laughs> there's not. There is no other Avatar movie. None. Think. It doesn't exist. Exactly. You know, we don't want to talk to the king and go to Lake Cloud Guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, movies like that or... Man, there was a couple other ones in the early 2000s that just went out of this world crazy on effects. Um, the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, yeah. Those are great. I mean, if you want to be nerds like me and your mom and watch all of the special features where they talk about how they do stuff. Like they had literal people that all they did for like three years was make chain fake chain mail. Mm-hmm. And that movie looks really, really good. Yeah. I will tell you some of the movies that we're going to watch are extremely bad. <laughs> horrible. Um, there are some movies on this list that are, um, they're just they are awful. The I movie bet. making is awful. The actors are awful. The writing is awful. The plot is um justifiably awful. So, so 1991's Terminator Two. Um, which and this is a other funny thing. I will admit I have never seen the first Terminator. I, I haven't either, so. And I'm okay um, with that. I'm okay with it too. A lot of people say that it's it's good, but it's not. I don't know. It's not worth it, from what I've heard. It is it like I think Terminator Two is like one of those movies that you can get by without watching the first one. It'll make sense. You don't have to watch the first one for it to make sense. That's true. Um, although I think because we watched the special edition where it has a bunch of extra yeah. scenes cut in. I think they did a disservice by not putting some of the, like the scene with John. Wait, not, was it John? Um, I can't what, remember. What was the scene? Kyle, it was Kyle. It's Kyle. Yeah. I don't know why I kept wanting to call his dad John. Um, <laughs> where, um, uh, where Sarah sees Kyle like in her hallucinations or whatever in the hospital. I, I think the, the the movie is done a disservice by not having those in it. Oh, so I must have grown up watching the special edition because I I never recall it that scene not being in the movie because it's just such a memorable. It's it's a really memorable scene. I I think because like you you look at it and it's just what you remember. Yeah that that scene was not in the original. There were several others. Um, trying to remember off the top of my head some of the other ones that weren't, but that was not in the original movie. And like I said, I think it, 
it does a, it does a disservice by it not being in there. The other scene that's not in the original is the one from um, where they're switching his um, yeah his chip to learning mode. That's true. I've heard that is one, and I think it the movie is done a disservice by that too because, and we'll get to it, but you can see throughout the movie after they do that. It you really can, adds development. It adds development. There's a subtle change. Well, not so subtle, but there's a change in the Terminator that really is set up by that. Mm-hmm. And I will say, um, I was reading some of the stuff on IMDb. Both Arnold Schwarzenegger and the director fought hard with the... Um, uh, the studio over some changes that they wanted to make in this movie because they were like, yeah, no, that's, that's not right. Mm-hmm. So on to the movie, which I have to say, at least from when I grew up, you see that first scene where it opens and you've got these giant robots that, Boston Dynamics would be like, oh my gosh, that's our next thing. Um, so you get the robots, they are trying to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And that was, that scene was kind of crazy. Oh yeah. Like um, I, that was like, that was like amazing to y'all probably. It was um, because it was just, it's not it's not brutal, but it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, because you look at the stuff in that movie, and you see that scene, and you're like, okay, this, you know, those are those were real those were real props. Mm-hmm. That wasn't CGI. It wasn't computer generated. That was real, like big. Metal robot-looking things. That, really? Yes, they were oh. all. Um, that you know, they held weapons and, and they had human faces and red eyes, and yeah. it was just something that you know you hadn't really seen. And you run from that to the scene where the Terminators arrive, which also was kind of shocking. (laughs) Um, So the Terminators arrive in the movie after this scene with a whole lot of lightning. And you see uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's got no clothes on and just like, okay, that's a bit much. Yeah, and this, and this, I, I'm sorry. This is my favorite bit of trivia movie. So, you know, he comes into the movie, and then he goes into the bar. And I remember we talked about it when we watched the movie. That bar was literally across the street from where Rodney King was beaten <laughs> in 1990. Um, 
they actually were filming at that location the night of. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's a connection because um, the Rodney King riots in 1990-91 were I'll have to show you some video of it because it's crazy. I -hmm. mean you think the riots like up in um, that they had after like George Floyd or stuff like that were bad. I mean these were full tilt riots mm-hmm. for week like weeks. Um and it was kind of a weird turning point in history because that was the first time where stuff like that has happened to George Floyd and all these other people was caught on tape. And that's where you see this shift into the way things are today. But that's that's another another story for another podcast. Oh, rabbit hole. Oh, yeah, I love rabbit holes. Sorry, <laughs> it's, you know, I, I can talk about rabbit holes all day. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arnold shows up. He goes into a biker bar, walks in, finds the first guy who he scans them and he's like, oh, his clothes fit. Um, this was a crazy, a crazy scene to start off with too, because like the biker putting his cigarette out on Arnold, um, and the fight that came after was, I don't know. I I don't remember seeing a lot of stuff like that in movies back then. That was kind of a new one. Like where, where he grabbed the biker and he throws him back onto the uh, the hot stove top in the back. Ow. Ow. No, yeah. Thank, yeah, no, thank you. Honestly, if like, okay. So if I just see this random, random buff dude walk up to me and ask me to take off my clothes right in front of everybody and I go to put my cigarette on out on him and he does not react, I think I would pee myself. I would, I would... I would need a I would need a change of clothes after that. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've never had anyone put a cigarette out on me, but I I've heard stories about it and it hurts. Mm-hmm. And well, that and also because he puts a cigarette on a guy, and then the there was that guy behind him with the the pool cue that hits him over the back of the head, and he just turns around and is like. Did you just do that to me? Like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it would have not fit the movie, but when he goes back and he grabs the, the clothes off that guy for him to scan it again, and it'd be like clothes are soiled. <laughs> These clothes are dirty. <laughs> So he gets his clothes. He steals the guy's bike. The bar owner tries one last time to uh, don't, do that. don't do that. I'll put, can't let you take the man's bike, son. I'll have to put you down. No, no, no. No, no. And then we see the other Terminator show up. 
played by oh. Robert Robert Patrick, who we also know from another movie we'll watch later. Uh, he's in Die Hard Two. Really? Yes, he is in Die Hard Two. He's um, one of the henchmen in mm. that movie. Um, he is also you remember him probably the most from X Files. Oh. Because you remember the later seasons of X-Files when Mulder was gone and he got replaced for a little bit? Crycheck! No, not Crycheck. Oh, who? He was the other FBI agent that was working with... Um... Now, I can't remember her name. Jillian Anderson. Scully? Yeah. No, that's Crycheck. No, that, um, now I'm going to have to look. John. John Doggett. That's who it was, John Doggett. I think so. I'm looking yeah. on it. I've got I am. Okay, I was gonna say I've got. He he did a voice in. He did a voice in Avatar: The Last Airbender. What? Yeah. Dang. He was okay. <laughs> this is a side note. Um, do you remember the episode where Sokka? Needed to find a master. Oh, was he that dude? Yep. Dang. Yeah. So he shows up and immediately takes out a random LAPD officer and steals his car. Um, it was kind of creepy. He he was the creepiest character in this entire movie <laughs> because. Oh, and if you look on um, IMDb for the stuff that he did, like he picked up a lot of like his actions and the way he moved from like animals. Mm. Um, like one of the things I remember he did. This is one of the first times where you'll see stuff like this. Um, I want to say. He did a lot of firearms training so that he could shoot a gun and not flinch. Dang. Because, you know, the way they reasoned it was, was, you know, a Terminator like him, if he shoots a gun, he's not going to flinch. He also did a lot of, like, running and just... So he was crazy creepy even just the way he looked the way he acted so he shows up takes out a cop fondles a computer in a cop car mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets in and he's like ooh ooh I like this um, and then we cut to I'm trying to remember if it goes to no it doesn't go to John yet it goes to Linda Hamilton, who is in a psychiatric facility, which I have to say, this part of the movie is probably accurate because psychiatric facilities are not, they're not nice places. Mm. Um, oh, and there were some, there was a couple of scenes in the special edition where like um, between her and the ultra creepy um, orderly in the hospital, mm-hmm. the one, the one that licks her face later. Ugh. Oh, um, that nasty. 
Oh, that's so nasty. Um, she is trying to meet with her psychiatrist because she is her kid. She wants to see her kid. Um, but the psychiatrist, I mean, doesn't believe her. What happened? Because she, because she's tried to escape so many times. Um, well, like, because I think right before this, um, the psychiatrist has taken like little like students around, and she's like, "Hello, Doctor Silverman, how's the knee?" <laughs> <laughs> and he turns and he goes, uh, "Yeah, she uh, busted my knee the last time we tried to talk to her." So it's obvious. I mean, he's freaked out by her, but he's also, I mean, yeah, he probably looks at it and goes, this is a strange case and he wants to get to the bottom of it just because it probably he thinks that's going to make his career or whatever. Mm-hmm. So they try to talk to her. She, you know, she puts on the charm. He goes, I don't believe you. And then she tries to kick the shit out of him. <laughs> I mean, it was because she just goes in an instant from, oh, I just really want to see my son to, I'm going to kill you, and jumps across the table and just tries to wreck him. Mm-hmm. Um, so they take her back. And then I, we go to see John, who. Oh, my gosh. Living with his foster parents. Um. Foster mom's kind of had it up to her eyebrows with both her foster son and her lazy husband who wants to sit around and watch boxing all day. <laughs> Mood. Mood. Definitely. <laughs> um, and John and his friend go off to commit some... Well, it's $300, so back then it would have been... Petty theft, not felony theft. Well, no, it would have been, it would probably been felony theft because he breaks into a computer to do it. Yeah. So, I think the scene where, yeah, the scene where, um, so we get uh, Robert Patrick's Terminator shows up at the house and he's still creepy. He's nice and he's smiling. But just to watch him, he's there's just some. I don't know. I got that feeling. Did you get that? Where he's just. Yeah. When we were watching it, I I, I recall saying like, you know, cops nowadays are like not as friendly. So like, if this man just walks up to my door, he's like, "Hi, how is your son home? John, is your son John? Uh, I really need to talk to him." And like, you know, you say no. Like, nowadays, they're going to be like, well, can we search the premises? And he was just like, oh, well, I'll go look for him. Like, where did he go? Like, that that freaks me out. Yeah, it was really kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, and then also he goes, um, the foster mom, I think it was the foster dad. He's like, yeah, some guy on a bike was here earlier looking for him. Is that, you know, and Robert Patrick's like, you don't have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, 
kind of was involved if he's like, you don't have to worry about him. Yeah, like, I I think I'd look back to, like, the dad and just be like, what? What is he talking? What? Yeah. So we go to one of my favorite parts of this movie now. Um, John and his friend, I don't know what his name is. I never did look. (laughs) They're at the arcade. (laughs) And John's friend is based in the most incredible way because Robert Patrick comes up and he goes, Tim. Is it, is it Tim? Yeah. His name's Tim. (laughs) (laughs) That kid. I'm sorry. That kid can't be named Tim. He needs to be like Cyrus (laughs) or Billy Joe. (laughs) him out of southern kentucky you can't name that kid tim i mean you have like that one the foster mom has like one of them country names like janelle i mean like you can't just take this boy with this ginger kid with a mole and name him tim Tim. I'm gonna have to remember that now for the entire, for the rest of my life. So Robert Patrick walks up to Tim. He's <laughs> like, "Have you seen this kid?" He goes, "Nah, never seen him." That that oh my, that's a good friend right there. That is a good friend, total good friend. <laughs> okay, Zencaster shit the bed for a minute. Yeah, and now we're back. So where we left off, Tim was being a good friend and lying to the police. (laughs) And also annoyingly saving the entire human race. Mm -hmm. At least temporarily. Um, And then some other nerd with glasses rats him out. over there? He's like, he's over there! Um, So... And we see Robert Patrick just mow down a whole bunch of high schoolers in an arcade. Hey, I think I saw him over there. Launches him across the room. Yeah, just destroyed him. <laughs> it was a great forearm shiver. I mean, if the Colts are looking for alignment, the T-1000 the T- would be a great start. Mm-hmm. Um, chases him into a hallway. And you get the other nerdy guy. Hey, you can't be back here! <laughs> And also the gratuitous product placement of Pepsi, Pepsi everywhere. And this is a great scene because he's trying all the doors. He's You can tell he's scared out of his mind because his cop's after him. And although he thinks it's just a cop, which is still a good reason to be scared and try to run. Um, and then the Terminator shows up, the other Terminator. And I love the shotgun and a box of roses. Mm-hmm. Guns is- and roses. <laughs> <laughs> See, that would be great if they had Guns and Roses on the soundtrack, but I think it was ACDC. Yeah, it was. Um, but um, we'll try. So he shows up with a shotgun. And immediately tells him to get down, which I'm sorry if somebody with a shotgun tells me to get down, I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. 
The guy behind him gets lit up. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Robert Patrick's Terminator just is like, oh, I know this guy. I want to destroy him. And just lights up the guy with a Pepsi can. Mm-hmm. And you, you see the strangest fight of Robert Patrick and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the hallway. Them just throwing each other through walls. Um, just basically chewing up the scenery, which I loved. Because up until this point, you know, when you see Arnold Schwarzenegger, you're like, okay, this guy is buff. He's huge. And then you see this little itty bitty Robert Patrick just throwing them through walls. That's got you thinking, okay, he's a lot more dangerous than is being let on here. I, I will bring up one thing. Um, you can tell how like better coordinated, um, our like fight scenes are nowadays because, you know, they weren't, like, actually, like, shooting at each other and, like, doing things, but, you know, or if, if they were, they weren't very coordinated. Every time the, um, the, uh, Robert Patrick's Terminator gets shot, he just flies into the air. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna claim to be an expert on firearms. Yeah. But I feel like his reactions are exaggerated. Yeah. Um, at least when... Because like, there are scenes later on where like Linda Hamilton's lighting him up with a 9mm handgun. And he's just like... Uh, 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 like, he's, <laughs> like he's trying to do a, a, de- a, ch- a dance with his chest. <laughs> and it's like nine millimeters not going to put that much energy into you unless I don't know if it's a density thing because you, you don't know how heavy or light he is. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, so then we get one of the first two chase scenes in the movie, which... In 1991, when this movie came out, this was an insane chasing. Mm. One, because Robert Patrick literally just takes off and puts on an audition for The Flash, running after John, who's escaping on his motorcycle. But then you get the chase through the L.A. River, which is the concrete thing they're in, of John on a motorcycle. You got a dirt bike. A dirt bike. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. And then you have Robert Patrick in a tow truck. <laughs> um... The scene that really makes this chase scene for me is, well, there's two of them. One, where John gets down into the L.A. River and he feels like, okay, you know, I feel a little bit better. He's 
I can't see him. And he stops. And then he turns around and you hear the music come up. And you see him come over the bridge in the tow truck. And then further on in the chase. And this is one of the things where when they were filming, they had this certain route of the LA river they had to go through. And, um, there's this point where I guess the stunt people are like, well, the, the bridge is too low for the truck to go through. What are we going to do? And the director's like, we'll just take the top, take the top off the truck. And so he, you know, Robert Patrick, well, the stunt driver drives it through the bridge, takes the top off and you see him pop up and push the window out and keep driving. That was just like, you know, that set the scene of this guy's not going to stop for anything. I would die of fear. I just, my, I would go into cardiac arrest right there and just be like, Nope, I'm not getting out of this alive. I'll just die right now. Yeah. Cause it's, I mean, you honestly know that this guy is, he is committed. Mm-hmm. He is committed to ending me. Yeah, I would die. I'd die of fear. But then Terminator shows up. Also, one of the craziest scenes where he launches a Harley Davidson motorcycle over like a 20 foot jump. Mm-hmm. Um, he grabs John. They take care of the Terminator. Well, the Terminator takes care of himself because he hits a bridge abutment and blows up. But I, I'm with you. This is one of those things where I'm like, okay, so this guy that showed up out of nowhere with a shotgun got beaten the hell out of by the guy that just got destroyed. And now he's got me. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. It's just, I, I don't know that reaction of his, I mean, where he's like, you know, stop, stop, stop the bike. Cause he's just like, this is not right. I, I feel like dreaming. I feel like he sells it short. Yeah. I would have been like, not only is this not right, I'm, I feel like I am on drugs right now or somebody is playing with me or something is going on. Cause this is just not right. Mm-hmm. So we get the Terminator who explains to John that the other crazy thing is John's like, so who sent you? And Terminator's like, you, you did. did. 30 years from now. And it's, it's that it's, it's just this constant thing of, so this guy is saying he's from the future that I sent him to protect me. Why the hell did you do that? Because you told me to. I, I, I don't understand how you can reconcile that without yeah. just going totally nuts. You're gonna have some like in like insane. Are you still there? You dropped off for a second. Oh, I'm so sorry. 
Um, oh, that's right. I was muted, trying to keep background noise out. Oh, and that's I thought it was Zencaster just doing something stupid again. No, but like, um, I think you gotta have some like insane mental training to be calm in that kind of situation. Well, and he did say, you know, he's like, you know, mom told me all this stuff growing up. I thought it was all bullshit. You know, I thought it was not real. I thought mom was just nuts. Yeah, and you get like that that really kind of sad line to delivery of just like not like no one believed her, not even I did. And then he realizes, you know, oh crap, we got to go get mom and Terminators. He's like, you know, no, no that's not a great idea <laughs> because he's, he's like, he's like, if I was, you know, if I was coming to get you. I would think that you would do the same thing and I would go to the same place. Um, that is, um, that line was actually delivered. Um, he's, he said he had to go home and grab some stuff. And he's like, no, he try and he'd try and recollect you there. And he's like, really? And he goes, I would. Oh yeah, that's right. Cause he calls, um, he calls he, Janelle. He calls Janelle. And it, it's so funny that he's like, <laughs> when he's talking to her, he's like, Something's wrong. She's never this nice. <laughs> and then he, he, he's like, and the dog's barking. And um, it, it's it's great because, you know, you get that little scene of the Terminator on the phone and the foster dad's like, I thought you were going to tell him to get rid of that, but hey, shut up. And she just... Blows him off. Well, no, she remember the Terminator creates that giant knife and just ends him. She blows him off, then does that. Yeah. Just rolls her eyes. So then Arnold Schwarzenegger also shows he can mimic voices. And he's like, what's the dog's name? And he uses a fake name. Uses a a fake name. Hey, how's Wolfie? How's Wolfie doing? Wolfie's just fine. And then he hangs up. Both your foster parents are dead. <laughs> and John's like, "Oh my gosh!" At least, at least he didn't go. Both your foster parents and soon the dog are all dead. <laughs> yeah, they never specified as the dog died. Well, no, you see it after. Oh so, yeah, yeah, because he goes back and well, they don't show it thankfully, but he goes back and he grabs the. He grabs a dog, you hear a yelp, and yeah, then he has the leash. Or he the, has a the leash, collar. the collar. And he has that look like, yeah, they screwed me. <laughs> so they head off to the mental hospital. So does the Terminator. And this is another scene that's not in the original movie where they are interviewing Linda Patrick. Um, oh God. I'm so bad with names. Um, Linda who? Linda Hamilton. Um, yeah, Linda Patrick. Linda Patrick. <laughs> um, Sarah Connor. And they're showing her the pictures from the mall and then the pictures from the first movie. And they're like, this is the same guy. Don't you care? It's like, nah. She's like, really. no, not really. Oh my gosh, wait. Okay, but like, I completely forgot 
about that completely amazing line from earlier in the movie where they were interviewing her that one time and she goes anyone not wearing two million sunblock to have a really bad day you get it (laughs) but so she steals a paperclip because she has decided oh crap I gotta get out of here because I'm gonna die Mm -hmm. so Creepy dude takes her back to her room, ties her up. And this is one of the worst scenes in the entire movie that just makes my skin crawl. Where the orderly licks her face. Ugh. Ugh. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but she makes up for that because she breaks out of her room. And while he's on rounds, she beats the ever-loving snot out of him with a broom handle. And the funny thing was, earlier in the movie, there's a scene where he hits her with a um, a baton. Mm-hmm. And they had to do a couple of cuts of that scene because he just wasn't doing it right, wasn't hitting hard enough or whatever. And it, you know, it didn't feel good even if it was a fake hit. So when, when she did that scene with him, where she hit him with a broom handle, she like didn't full on obliterate him, but she put some weight behind it and really hit him. So I feel she vindicates her character a little bit by absolutely destroying the creepy guy. Uh So, you get John and the Terminator show up out front. And I love this scene. Cause he's like, he's like, swear you won't kill anybody. And the, Terminator, like, okay. the Terminator's like, what? Uh, he goes, put your right arm up and say, I swear I won't kill anybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they roll up to the front gate and the guard is like, uh, I've had enough of this today. He's like visiting hours, and the Terminator just shoots him in the knee. Shoots him in the knee. It's like I thought I told you not to kill anybody. You live. You live. <laughs> so then we get inside, and you see the Terminator come in. The other Terminator, Robert Patrick. I'm just going to start the calling T-1000. him Robert, the T1000. Robert Patrick's Terminator. Comes in, gets some info. He knows that Sarah's there, but he's like, I got to get in here and it's going to be hard as a cop. So we get one of my favorite scenes of this movie where security guard comes up. There's a little banner with the other security guard. You want some coffee? Huh, how about a beer? Which mood. Um, he gets a coffee and then you see the floor rise up behind him. Ooh, I got a win. Today's my lucky day. And I have to think, so the way this scene was done is the security guard has a twin, identical twin brother. <laughs> and he is turns around and looks face to face and it's him because it's his identical twin brother 
but he's, you know, playing the Terminator, the T-1000, and he uses his pointing finger and creates a big long knife and knifes the other guy through the head. Mm-hmm. And you have to think, if it's your twin brother, you have to think there was some banter back and forth of, ha I got to kill you in the movie. Oh, also, um, another little fact, you know, um, his the actor's name is Don Stanton. Yeah. But his brother is also named Don Stanton. They're, they have the same name. No, it, it's Don and Dan. Oh, Don and Dan. Don and Dan. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah, it's Don and Dan. My bad. That's it. Well, I mean... I'm dyslexic. <laughs> I have bad eyesight, so I did mm-hmm. the same thing, too. Um, so, then we get Sarah, who has freed herself with the aid of... <laughs> today on the Lockpicking Lawyer, where she... <laughs> Gets herself out the door. Mm-hmm. And we get... I love the scene, the hostage scene with the doctor. Oh, yeah. You know, because she... She walks in, beats the crap out of the one guy, and then... um, He goes to reach for a phone, and she... Comes down with a baton and just obliterates his arm... Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to remember if she if she hits him in the nose and he's like, You broke my nose. And she goes, He either says something about his arm or his nose, one of the two. And she, you know, has a line, you know, there's 215 bones in the human body. That's one. Mm-hmm. I, I love that little little hint of I just broke one of your body. I know there's more and I'll break them too. Yep. So she gets a syringe ready with Drano, puts it in his neck. I love the thing because when she's filling up, he's like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> I'm like, she's not going to clean any toilets with it. That's for sure. She's going to probably put it in your leg. <laughs> um, so she goes, uses him to get out. Finds her way over to an elevator to get out. And uh, then... He appears. The, he appears. And he looks exactly... I want to say he looks almost exactly like he did in the first movie. Yeah. The way he's dressed. So, of course, she freaks the ever-loving hell out. Because she's like, oh, I've done this before. He's here to kill me again. She runs... John runs after her. Mom, no, no, no. So we get another fight scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger just obliterates these staffers. Um, I love that look he gives. Do you remember that one woman that hits him? Like yeah. she slugs him, and he she breaks his glass. She breaks his glasses, and he just <laughs> looks at her like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you shouldn't picks have done that." Up, picks her up by the face and throws her like a half a foot away. Yeah, 
John finally gets mom to, to calm down. He's like, she, you know, he's not here to kill you. He's here to make, keep us safe. We got to get out of here. And then this is the scene in the movie when we saw it growing up. We were just like, holy, you know what? Where T-1000 comes up. There's a metal, metal jail door. And he just walks through it. Mm. <laughs> and the psychiatrist look was the look that we all had. We're like, um, did you just really do that? You could walk through the door? It's, it, it's funny. I don't think it's... I'd have to look. I think this movie came after our time limit. But um, in... Genesis there's a scene where that guy comes back and he's talking to um, that movie's um, version of Sarah Connor and somebody, I don't remember who the guy's name in that movie was, but he's like Reese yeah Reese and he's like yeah I've seen things crazy things you, wait, you say Unex- you don't know if it cuts off the time limit? Genesis was released in 2015, boy. Okay, then it's definitely passed. So. But he's like, you know, I've seen things, crazy things, unexplainable things. And you just see the look on his face. He's like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Mm-hmm. So we get the elevator fight scene, which I'm. there's two things that annoy me to all get out on this scene. One. So Sarah Connor is supposed to be like this badass that knows all kinds of things about fighting. Did you notice that when she had that gun, she stayed in one corner? Who? Sarah Connor. Not really. So she grabbed that gun out of out of the Terminator's pants, and she stayed in the one corner of the elevator and kept firing. Oh, yeah. Why didn't she move? I have no clue. Because it, when you stay in one spot and you keep firing, he's going to remember, okay, I'm getting all these shots from this one spot. So I'm going to, that's why, that's how he gets her with his knife hand. Oh, because she's dumb. Right. The other is, so she's firing. I'm going to look. I want to say it's a nine millimeter, but. Um, I'm going to look. There's a site. I don't know if I've ever shown you this. It's called IMFDB, which is like IMDB for movies, except for it only talks about the guns that are used in movies. So if you ever want to know like what kind of gun is being used in a movie, that's the one to look at. Yeah. So let's see. What is it she uses? Oh, okay. It is a So it is a Colt Series 70 slide. Ow! You all right? Yeah, one of the cats just tried to jump on me. 
It's a Colt Series 70 slide, Deltonics frame with Pacmar grips, and is chambered in 9mm because 45s didn't cycle as well as blanks at the time. So, so she's firing a 9mm handgun and Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator has a Winchester 1887 shotgun. Beautiful, by the way. Yeah, that's an amazing gun. Mm-hmm. So they're both in this elevator shooting all these all these shots. Nobody's wearing any hearing protection. And they walk out like it's normal. I can tell you from accidentally shooting a rifle without putting my hearing protection on once. It like it stunned me like it because it was so loud. Mm-hmm. So that's I'm just like they walk out of this elevator like nothing happens. I'm like, you just, you know, went through a magazine of nine millimeter and a couple of shotgun shells and an elevator. You guys are going to have such a headache. But anyways, they go out and steal a cop car from the geekiest looking LAPD officer you've ever seen. Which I'm sorry, when she sh- <laughs> when she pointed the gun at the car and he didn't get out, I'm like, dude, just get out because you know you're going to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. They escape in a cop car. Um, Terminator runs after them. Uh, Okay, so Robert Patrick runs after them. This is another one of those parts where it's like, he's running after them? Like, running, running? I'm going to pee my pants. (laughs) They escape. They find their way to a abandoned gas station. And this is where we get the, the deleted scene where John asks... Arnold Schwarzenegger, his Terminator, he goes, can you learn? And he says, and the Terminator's like, he's like, yeah, we can. They just are that we're not set to that normally because that's how Skynet controls us. And I like this scene and I feel like it's, it's another one of those. It does a disservice to the movie by not having it Mm -hmm. because you don't by him not being able to learn it doesn't give him any growth yeah and also the scene where um john and sarah are arguing about um cuz they have the the chip out and she's like no, we could end this right now. And he goes, no, he goes, why aren't you? He says, you know, we've done things your way. He goes, we're going to do things my way for once. Mm-hmm. And after the switch, I think that enables a lot of what happens in the end of the movie. Because 
since he's able to learn and think and make these kind of connections, we'll talk about, there's a, a scene later, what's really important. Yeah. But it's just, it's an important thing to be shown. So they go get out of town and they go to this hideout that Sarah used to have in the desert to get guns. Yeah. Which is funny because along the way um, we get some gold moments where like John's telling him, you know, if anybody comes up with you an attitude, you just say, just eat. Somebody comes up with you an attitude, you just say, eat me. I'm like, okay, that's the way to get yourself beaten up, but whatever. And he tries to teach him to smile, which was, do you remember when they were, they were um, trying to get something to eat? And he goes, he goes, smile a little bit. He points out some guy, and he goes, that's smiling. And he tries to smile and it looks goofy. <laughs> so then they finally go and they get loaded up on guns. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those scenes that you see in a lot of, there's another great um, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I don't know if we'll watch it. I don't remember if I put it on the list or not. Um, where he basically, um, he steals a whole bunch of guns from a gun store to go storm this island to get his daughter back. Mm-hmm. You may have to watch that movie. That's a good one. It's kind of weird, but it's a good movie. Um, so they get all these guns. And Sarah has another vision and she goes, she figures out she she's going to f- solve this once and for all. She's going to go take out Miles Dyson, mm-hmm. who is the engineer that's working on Skynet. Yeah. And I like that whole setup because in the scenes with Dyson before, you can tell that he he has some idea that there's something nefarious about what he's working on. Like, mm-hmm. So do you remember earlier when um, there's that one guy in the lab is like, you need to come sign it out. And they go and he goes, you know, I know I've only been here for a short amount of time. He goes, do you know where it came from? And Miles is like, you know, I asked that same question once and they told me the same thing. I'm going to tell you. Don't ask. Oh, dang. And because when he goes to get it, he also sees the, the arm from the first movie. So he he has you can tell he's got some inkling that there's something not right. Yeah. But he continues to work on it. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to have to look it up because she has a beautiful gun that she rocks up to take him out with. I got to look up what it was. 
it was a almost there. Um, it's a Colt Model 653. Oh, it's an M16 A1 carbine with a with a suppressor and a laser sight. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about this scene is the lead up to it where his son is driving around the house and she's outside and you just go back and forth. It, it dials up the tension a lot. Yeah. And then when she just starts obliterating the house and, you know, his wife and his son are standing there and he's like, go, go, go. It, it was a crazy scene then. And it is now. I, I will say, like, I think that's one of the only parts of the movie that, like, actually kind of puts, puts me off a little bit. Why so? I don't know. Like, it's just, like, in, like, later scenes on, like, I don't know. It just, it kind of shakes me up a little bit for some reason. Because, I don't know, that's just disturbing to me. I I can see that. Um and I think it's good too because you see when when John and the Terminator arrive, you can see that she is she just breaks down. Mm-hmm. It's like she cannot believe that she went to go do that. And I will I will say like there's also I think another reason why it's um so like disturbing a little bit is because they're so great at acting like because um i don't oh my gosh i can't remember her name the girl who plays sarah is like so good at like acting out that like actual like uh, what what's the word despair she's so good at acting that out and the guy who plays dyson is so good it's like that like actual fear yeah, you. There was palpable fear from him mm-hmm. and from everybody else in that house, and the way that Linda Hamilton plays that that breakdown of "Oh my God, what did I do?" Great acting. Yeah, and it. I think if it was anybody else, I don't think that scene would have been pulled off quite as well. Hmm. And then to follow that up with, um, because that you know you follow it up, and then um, John's like he tells the Terminator's like show him, and he cuts the skin off his arm. Why do you need that much, man? Yeah, it's like you just cut off your cut off the skin on your hand, dude. Like do a finger at least. But you know he he sees that that arm. I think it was probably because. Sarah had probably told John at one point that the arm survived. And John knew that. And it was like, if you, if you show Miles Dyson, Hey, I have that same arm right here. Then 
you're going to get that same kind of reaction. You. So Terminator explains everything. And I love Miles Dyson, uh, the guy that plays Miles Dyson's line. goes, I think I'm going to be sick. And you can, Mm -hmm. just the way he acts that line, just like, you can tell he's like, I'm about to go throw up. Joe Morton. He's been in some other good stuff. Blues Brothers. Um, he plays this guy named Cabell. I think. Okay, so there's a funny story about that. So, if he's who I'm thinking of, in the Blues Brothers. He plays this kid from the street. Wait, no. Wait, Joe Morton in the original. Yeah, he plays. Yeah. I don't know. No, he can't play that guy because. I was thinking he was somebody else. Anyways, but yeah, Blues Brothers is another good movie, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um. So they decide we got to go blow all this up. Oh. And I, I love the the way they they go into the lobby of Cyberdyne and Miles Ice is like, "Hey, you know, it's just some family from out of town. We're going to go show them the lab." And the security guard's like, "You know, you can't do that." <laughs> and they all pull out guns. And they're like, mm. Yeah, we're going to do it. And then they tie him up in the bathroom. Um, This whole sequence of them going to blow up the lab is, I think, really helps make this movie. Because... It gives you enough of that hope that, okay, things are going right, but you keep getting those little hints of like where the cops show up and things like that. And like, you know, this is, you keep getting those little hints of, okay, there's hope, but they're going to screw up or something's going to happen and they're, they're, they're not going to make it through this. The few things to really kind of point out from this is one According to your mother, who is a nurse, um, Miles Dyson's death where he stops breathing is scarily accurate. Yeah. Which is um, because what happens is they get everything set up to blow up and the cop, the SWAT team comes in and as SWAT teams are wont to do, they come in and they just shoot first, take, take names later. And they shoot up the room. They shoot up the people in the room. And you get the great scene where the SWAT team comes up and Miles is on the floor and he's got this thing. He's like, I don't know how much longer I can hold this. And he's like, like he's panting. Yeah. And the look on the SWAT team guy's face, he's like, oh, 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 crap. We got to get out of here. I will say, um... Um, Linda Hamilton from shooting those shootout scenes, she actually got um, um, minor hearing hearing damage. 
Because she um she didn't switch her um earplugs throughout the different takes, so oh. she got hearing damage. Oh, I don't doubt it, considering all the shooting that they did. Mm-hmm. So, they end up getting everything blown up, and I love the scene with where they're in the elevator at the bottom floor, and he, well, one, because he's like, I'll be back. And he, <laughs> he goes out and these SWAT team guys are out there and he just starts picking them off, shooting him in the knee. And you're just like, why are you not running? Why? Exactly. You, why are you not running away? I mean, I don't even care if I get like fired or like scolded, but like you need to be brave. If I see this guy walking, not falling, if after getting shot like 50 times, I'm running. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cause he walks out. Oh, he walks down the hallway and they like go through like two or three magazines a piece and with the, they've got like MP5s and they destroy them. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't care. And he walks up and shoots them all in the knee. So he goes, and also I love the scene because he he walks out with this tear yeah. gas, the tear gas gun, and he fires tear gas at everybody. And you can see how all the cops are just like they freak out. I love it where he walks up to the two guys by the the van. He takes the one's mask off, mask off, and then he looks at the other. And he goes, "Here, hold this." And he, <laughs> he gives him the gun, and then he takes his mask off. And then you can you, you get that first little hint that he's learning because he goes to rip open to hotwire the van, and then he remembers, oh. John showed me that the keys are up in the thing. Yeah. And it works. And then we get the helicopter, the second chase scene with the helicopter. Oh, lit. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to double check myself because that helicopter chase scene where they go under the... trying to find it again so they go to do that scene under the overpass and I remember hearing somewhere or reading somewhere that like the something like there was a bunch of stuff that was going against it and I guess the director's like, I'll put up my own money to make sure that we do this scene. And they pulled it off in one take. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the stunt pilots are like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, but you get this great chase scene with the helicopter. Um, because there's it, it it adds to that sense of fear because it's like he just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. And excuse me, they finally take him out. Um, I'm trying to remember how they do that on the helicopter. How do they end up? 
How do they crash the helicopter? Now I can't remember how they do that. Um, I don't. Hold on, let me look. How they crash the helicopter? Wasn't it like? No, didn't they like shoot at the dude up there? At like, didn't they shoot at the T one thousand? Yeah, I think that's what they did. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, but I remember the oh. No, not that. That's different. Something. Go ahead. But yeah, they they take out the helicopter, and then we get the second part of the chase scene with the little itty bitty pickup truck, little itty bitty pickup truck, and the semi truck. Which still is just that that whole thing of he just keeps coming. And this is the only part of the movie that not then because this is this is the bad part about having these like 4K remasters and Blu-ray Blu-ray movies and ultra high def TVs. So the ending scene where the truck tips over and Arnold Schwarzenegger rolls off in a ball. Back then it looked really good because we didn't know any better because our TVs sucked. (laughs) Um, I remember growing up watching this on a TV that was probably... I think the TV we had in the living room was 27 inch. No, it wasn't 27 inches. It was bigger than that. Um, Dang. I think it was 32 inches, but it was also back then. Um, so, you know, aspect ratios like four, three, 16 by nine. Cause like, you know how you like your monitor now is, rectangular and it's long at the top and the bottom. Yeah. So back then TVs were square. Mm -hmm. They were just a little bit wider than they were tall. Yeah. Wait, so you say yours was like, however big, like how, how big is that in comparison to like our TV? So our TV that we have, we have a 70 inch TV. Yeah, 70. This is 30. <laughs> and the one that we had growing up was 30. That's like trying to watch TV on an iPad. Oh, yeah. But like I said, back then, 30 inches, 32 inches was big. Well, and also, um, so like the TV that we had then. We had what, what it's called a console TV, where it was a TV. So the screen was in the center, and then there were speakers on the side, and it was in a a wooden enclosure. Oh my gosh! Um, it's probably a little bit was probably a little bit smaller across than my desk. Dang. And they weighed about. 600 pounds 
I mean, they were massive. Um, That's heavy. And they they stood up, but they stood up to a lot, and they lasted forever. Um, like the one that we had stood up to Grandma throwing a throwing a skillet at it from across the living room. What? Okay. <laughs> Did I never tell you that story? No. Um. So, me and your other two, my other two brothers. I don't know what we were doing. We were just driving your grandmother nuts over mm. something. And my dad was, he was on a cruise and mom got so mad that she threw a skillet that she had just bought. Oh my God. She threw it across the living room at the TV. <laughs> and barely missed the screen by about two inches. Damn. <laughs> and when that skillet hit the TV, it was like, scatter! And we all left to hide in our rooms. We, we were done. Yeah, we were done. And because we also knew that, like, if mom had messed up and had hit the TV, that meant we were going to probably go without TV for a while because she wasn't going to go get a new one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, mom threw a skillet at the TV. And th- she used that skillet for a long time, and it had a dent in it. And <laughs> we knew where that dent came from, that it was from us. <laughs> oh, God. So, but, you know, when we watched that movie then, it was on TV with low resolution, small screens, um, on VHS, so it wasn't very clear. And now when you watch it on Blu-ray or high def on a 70 inch screen, that scene does not hold up (laughs) because just the, you can see the matte paintings. You can like, you can see where they have tied cables to the, um, to the truck to help, pull it and it just yeah it it doesn't hold up it still looks rad though it does especially where the liquid nitrogen spills out and the terminator gets stuck and then freezes mm-hmm. and then arnold schwarzenegger blows it to pieces i still find it funny how they had that dynamic of it messing up its composition and stuff, and like how it could not function normally after that. Yeah, I I, I like that too, and I never, I never it, really. It's kind of hard to pick up on. Yeah. Um. And that's that's another thing about watching these movies is, even now I, I watch movies and I pick up on things I never picked up on before, partly because either I just never thought about it that way or I just missed it. And I never really picked that up until we watched it. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we get the final brutal fight scene between the T 1000 and the T 800. 
And that fight scene is absolute insanity. Yeah. Because they just destroy each other. It is bad. Mm-hmm. But what I like about it is that I'm trying to get how I want to put it. So it makes it makes Arnold Schwarzenegger look vulnerable at the same time, but it also still gives him that dignity of he's going to keep going. <laughs> Because he's like, I'm not going to stop because I have this mission to complete. Mm-hmm. And another thing I didn't notice, too, until we saw it this time, because, like I said, when we watched it, it was low resolution. I really finally fully understand this time, this time we watched it, how... Because you get the scene at the end. Because... So you... The two Terminators duke it out. Arnold Schwarzenegger shuts down. Robert Patrick's like, okay, I'm going to go get John and I'm going to mimic his mom. Mm -hmm. And when John sees his mom, and then you get the, the real end of Hamilton coming around the corner. And you see John looks down and you can see that the fake Linda Hamilton, you know, is like mishmash feet and all that jazz. Like, oh, that makes sense how he could figure out how it's not her. Yeah. And they have the final fight because Terminator turns himself back on. He's like, I'm going to beat the crap out of him. And he comes up over on that big chain with the grenade launcher and launches one at him and drops, drops his ass into the molten metal. Yeah. Which is that like whole screaming shit. Oh my, oh my gosh. So that petrified me. Well, the crazy thing is, you know, how they made that sound. That is, they took audio of the screams of the director (laughs) and then ran them through a synthesizer and like messed with it. Oh, that must have been so much fun. Yeah. Make it sound weird as possible. Um, and then you get the scene at the end, the final scene where the Terminator's like, okay, I have to destroy myself too, but I can't self-terminate. Can't self-terminate. And that, that always makes me teary-eyed. It, it does. It gets me too, because it's, you can tell that John has grown attached. Attached. Mm-hmm. And that he doesn't want it to end this way. He's like, you know, he he almost. I almost wonder if John kind of knows it's not going to end here. It's going to keep happening. And I, 
that he needs somebody to, to stay with him. Mm. But, but he knows he has to do it. So they lower him in. You get the iconic as he burns up. He gives a thumbs up. And the movie's over. Yeah. And I like that it ends there. That there's no... You do get that little bit of a thing at the end with um, Sarah Connor talking about, you know, the future is not written and it's going to, you know, things can keep happening. But I like, I like that ending. I think it, it does well for the movie. I will say though, like, um, how, how attached he is like to like, and how he was like so bummed like it doesn't make sense in the second or in the oh not the second movie that is the second movie in the third movie with the weird woman terminator like how their relationship is so different I, it's just weird i think um part of that is um, because in the third, ooh, and that is on our, is that on our list? I'm going to have to look. I don't know. I is don't it, know when it came out. 2003. Oh, so that's that's still on our, on our limit. Yep. So that's going to have to go on our list because in that movie, you got, I think you've got two things going. One, So you get to this point where you get past the original date of when it's supposed to be Judgment Day. Yeah. And he thinks that everything's okay, but his life is like, right now, right at that point, it's like his life sucks. Because mm-hmm. that's where he starts off that, you know, he's living on the streets, off the grid. He's, you know, doing day jobs. But he also knows that things are supposedly over. But now all of a sudden he's thrown back into it. He's like, I thought we were done. I thought we fixed this. So I think that's why you get a little bit of that adversarial relationship. Because at the end of this movie, John's like, okay, this is done. We are done. I don't have to do this anymore. I don't have to worry about it. And all of a sudden in the third movie, he's like, you know, after, you know, the last time we did this, you said we were done. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something we'll have to talk about when we do that movie, which I want to put that on the list because it's not on there. I will tell you there's another. Oh, oh, my. So I'm so glad that comes out. That is over the limit. We don't talk about Terminator Salvation. As far as I know, it doesn't exist. That It's like the Avatar movie. That does, It didn't happen doesn't happen it it literally is just i don't even know how long that movie is it's it's an hour and 55 minutes it's just like gone with the wind it's an hour and 55 minutes i'll never get back right which that movie's not on our list i don't know that i want to put you through that uh please don't (laughs) whiny whiny girl yeah so now we have to 
Because we're going to rate all these movies and figure out if they're good or not. We're rating on 0 to zero to 10. We're going to do actors and acting, the soundtrack of the movie, the plot, and it doesn't hold up. And by that means, like, I'm trying to think of a good movie to describe it. Sorry, go on. I, I was just seeing something. What? No. Okay. So as I was saying, like you know, uh, this this movie doesn't exist. By the way, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 going nuts. Terminator Salvation has a has a really kind of scary cast. Christian Bale as John Connor. Mm-hmm. A girl. Um. There's this girl named Kate. Pray with Bryce Dallas Howard. And then Helena Bonham Carter as someone else. Wait, she's in that movie? Yes. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. So, okay. So the ratings. Actors and acting. The soundtrack. The plot. Does it hold up? And, and I'm trying to think of a good movie. Um, what do you mean you're trying to think of a good movie? What I mean is... So by saying, does it hold up? I'm not saying like, um, like there are old movies that they don't hold up to today in terms of like effects or things like that, like in general or like how the plot is like, there's some movies that they may not hold up. Uh, I, I guess I can't describe it. But um, so we're going to do filmmaking, which is, you know, is it a good movie filmmaking wise? Like, you know, I, I know that if we watch a movie from like the 50s or the 60s, that the effects then aren't going to be up to the caliber of effects today. But, you know, for the time, does it or for the movie as a whole, you know, is a filmmaking good. And then just the overall experience. So overall, how do you feel about the movie? Yeah. So the actors and the acting in Terminator 2, 0 to 10, 10 being fantastic and 0 being they all suck. Um, for me, I'd say that's a 7. I would almost argue an eight. Well, I'll go, yeah, I'll go with an eight too, because um, Robert Patrick. You look at what he puts into his character. Um, Linda Linda Hamilton, what she puts into hers. Um, Joe Morton, what he puts into Miles Dyson. Um, all of the and you get all these other little bit actors too, like. Um, the, the, the nasty, um, orderly, I mean, he's just so perfect. Also, like, you know, like all, like, like you said about all the work, all the people put in, like Linda, Linda Hamilton worked, like worked out three hours for like six days a week filming that. Yeah. And, um, the guy. I don't. I I cannot recall names for more than like two seconds. The dude who played the T one thousand, like, 
Yeah, Robert Patrick, didn't he, like, train to run for, like, days to get that one scene where he's chasing after John? Yeah. That That's dedication yeah. to a character. So, soundtrack. Now, granted, this movie is more score than soundtrack because there's not very many songs in it. The, you know, in my, okay, sorry, I'm, like, picking first between you. That's fine. Um, they did, like, a really good job, like, making, like, scores that fit, like, the under, like, the kind of menacing tone of the movie and, like, really got some of the scenes good. Right. And they knew, like, um, so the scene where he jumps a motorcycle, there's no music behind it. And that is good sound work because it's just, it focuses on that scene. Yeah. So, seven? Eight? Yeah. Eight? Yeah. Eight. Okay. Plot. How does it hold up? The plot is pretty solid, like, throughout. Like, and that's the thing. is like, you see a lot of movies nowadays who, who like, they, they struggle to stick to the plot. Like, there's all these different subplots that go on and, like, derange, like, like, unpath from the original point of the movie this movie does a pretty a great job of staying on the single plot yeah um i would say eight for that as well what do you think i'm gonna say a nine nine i i could could be talked up to a nine i'm doing a nine filmmaking um Not to jump ahead on you, but they, the stuff that they put into this movie, like, I remember when we when we watched it, I was telling you about how some people at Los Alamos National Lab, they, oh, yeah. they said that the, the nuclear explosion scene was the best representation they have ever seen put the film. Mm-hmm. I would have to say... At least a nine. I'll put a nine for two. I'll put a okay. nine to Zale. And they have some great um, 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 sets, too. I gotta close the window. Yeah. It's raining. And then lastly, the overall experience. Overall, what do you give this movie? Ten. Eleven. Twelve. Uh, we can't go. Ten is the highest. <laughs> I would, I would, I don't want to give it a 10 because I think 10 is like, it's just, it's an imaginably high bar, but I could, I could be talked into a nine. I'll go nine too. Cause I just, like, yeah. I mean, everything about this movie from start to finish is, it's fantastic. I mean, they don't miss a beat the entire time. Honestly, like. I, I've talked to kids at my school, like, I've been talking, I've, like, talked to my friends who have seen it, and, like, there are kids who have been like, what is that? Like, how have you not seen that movie? Oh, yeah. Because, like, if, like, if I have kids one day, they're they're not going to go without seeing it. I'll shove it down their okay. throat. So, for our first movie, I, I would say our, our banger or bomb threshold is going to be five. 
Terminator 2 is at 8.6. I, th- mm. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about the, the movie that we're going to uh, use to set our baseline for a bomb here in a minute. But one other thing we're gonna, I want to do is in each movie, we're talking about who's the best actor and who's the worst. So in Terminator 2, who is the best actor? Linda Hamilton. I I I cannot disagree. (laughs) Um just the entire time she is just she I mean she commands every scene. Mm-hmm. For worst actor? Oh my gosh. I'll, I'll let you shoot that one. Okay. I don't know how to describe him other than, hey, you can't be in here. <laughs> oh, no. He's so bad. Because mm-hmm. he's just like, hey, you can't be in here. And then his own, it's the only line and he somehow just goes, ah. It's his only line. And then he also is like, he doesn't, I mean, you and I both look at that scene and you've got Terminator on, you know, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger with a shotgun and you've got the T-1000 who looks like a cop with a handgun. You're like, I'm going to get down. But what does he do? No, he stands in the middle of the hallway. Mm-hmm. Like, get out of the way. So I'm going to put Pepsi guy for right now. <laughs> Pepsi guy. I'll look and see if I can see what he's... I don't think he's credited as anything, but I'm just going to put Pepsi guy. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, the next episode in two weeks, we are going to do... To establish our baseline for bombs. Oh, no. 1994's James... Ke- James Carey... Is it... Oh, yeah, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey vehicle, The Mask. Oh, no. Um, I'm just going to be honest. I think I've only seen this movie twice. I haven't seen it, so. Both times when it came out. And I know this movie is going to be awful. (laughs) It is going to be horrible. Yeah. So that's our next episode. So, yeah. Until two weeks from now, we'll see you then. Yeah.